Amen. What a beautiful hymn. There's an example of a hymn written recently, 2006, I believe it was. So there's still some beautiful hymns being written, and praise God for that. Our children are already headed toward the back. We've got people who will take them to Children's Church, and as they're going, let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful that at the cross, at the foot of the cross, the ground is level, and all of us can come to you and find life everlasting. Lord, we thank you that you were willing to go to the cross, and as we think together in these moments about the power of the cross, the power that is still active in this world today, we pray that you will just open our eyes of understanding, lead us, and Lord, we pray that your Spirit will impress upon us what we need to take away from these wonderful verses of Scripture. We thank you for your word, that it is perfect, it is without, it was, it is without error, and it not only is without error, but Lord, it has the power to truly change our lives. So just use your word now to reach into the deep parts of our lives and help us to be willing to follow you. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take our Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians 1. We, over the last couple of weeks, have been thinking about the cross and looking at a number of verses that speak to the cross. And today we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm going to read verses 18 to 25, and then in chapter 2, the first two verses, where we see Paul, this was after, of course, the resurrection. Paul had been called by the Lord and commissioned and sent out to serve, and he was taking the gospel to the known world of that time. And we see in what Paul writes, as the Lord led him, uh, what was at the very heart of his preaching and really at the very heart of the gospel. And if it was that for Paul, then it ought to be the same for us today. So look at 1 Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 18. Paul wrote, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through wisdom did not know God, the world... Uh, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. And then looking at chapter 2, the first two verses. 
And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined to not know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. We see very clearly here Paul talking about what was at the very heart of his preaching, at the very heart of the gospel itself. Just what significance does the cross still have today? Well, there are many in our country, in our world, that would say it's just a relic of the past. But the message of the cross, the cross of Jesus, it's not just any cross, it's the cross of Jesus Christ, still stands today with real power, the power to reveal truth and to change lives to those who believe. To the people of Corinth, the preaching of the cross was foolishness. It was nonsense. But Paul said, as we read in verse 25 of chapter 1, the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. See, there were people then in the first century who thought they were just, they were just a little too sophisticated, a little too advanced, a little too progressive for the gospel of Jesus Christ. For the idea that we are saved through the death of Jesus on the cross. That was nonsense to some who received the preaching that Paul was sharing. The preaching of the cross. But did Paul change what he was preaching? Did he change his mind? Did he alter the message? No. He said, but we preach Christ crucified. This gospel of Christ and him crucified is still foolishness today to millions and millions of people who are perishing. Do you notice that it says in verse 18, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, to those who are lost. They think they understand what life is all about. They think they are more advanced and more intellectual than those who believe. But the truth is, Their attitude about the cross and about Jesus and about the gospel is only proof of one thing, that they are perishing, that they are lost in their sin. Because to those of us who believe, the message of the cross is life itself. The message of the cross is the message of God's love. The message of the cross is about life. It's not about death. Because the death of Jesus is all about life for for those of us who believe. And so when you encounter someone who scoffs at the message of the cross, it is a sign to you this is a person who is perishing. They don't know what they're saying. They, They think they know, but it's just that what they know is wrong. What they know is ignorant because they have not received the light of God into their life. Today, in the light of the cross, God is asking the question, the same question he asked here in the first century. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made the wisdom of this world to be foolish? You see, the foolishness of God, and that doesn't mean it is foolish. It means from the perspective of the world, what they call foolish 
the foolishness of God is wiser than any man on the face of the earth. And so never be afraid to stand up for the message of the cross. The offense of the cross is in and of itself what must happen in a person's life for them to understand they're a sinner. We must, we must be confronted with our sin. And it's the message of the cross that has power to do that and to lead us to life itself. Paul said, we preach Christ crucified. This is the focal point of the gospel. Now, this was after the resurrection, right? Absolutely it was. Jesus had risen from the dead. He had appeared to more than 500 people. He had ascended to heaven. And then you had Saul of Tarsus, who was a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was doing everything he could to try to to destroy the spread of the gospel and to stop the church, the early church. And then he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus appeared to him. He was gloriously saved himself. And then he went out and began to preach. What did he preach? What was at the very heart of his preaching here? Christ crucified. Now that doesn't mean he's diminishing the resurrection. But one thing is for sure. There would have never been a resurrection of Jesus from the dead if he hadn't died. If he hadn't died for our sins. And, of course, that death would not have had power to change all of our lives if he had not risen from the dead. And so, really, the two go together. But as Paul talks about it here to the Corinthians, he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He was not ashamed to come to them and preach to them Christ crucified. Because the picture of Christ crucified is the image of the blood of Christ flowing from the cross, the precious blood that we looked at a couple of weeks ago, and that blood being able to cover our sin, cleanse us. He was paying the price for our sin and our rebellion and our guilt. The message of his shed blood is revolting to many. There are many today who would turn away from such a sight, and there are even those who claim the name of Christ who have agreed with the world's foolishness or the world's wisdom from their perspective. That it's just, it's just a little too violent to talk about the death of Christ or to think of the blood that he shed for us. Uh, we'd rather talk about the love of God. We'd rather talk about how God has done so much for us well, he has, and it's all wrapped up in the cross of Christ. The love of God is so clearly seen in what Jesus did when he went to the cross for us. And yes, it is offensive. It should be offensive because we are the offenders. We are the sinners. We are the reason Jesus went to the cross. We sang that song, Were You There When They Crucified My Lord? Were You There When They Nailed Him to the Tree? Were You There When They Laid Him in the Tomb? Yes, we were there in a sense because Jesus was on the cross. 
for us, for those who would put their faith in Him so that we could put our faith in Him. He was willing to go in our place. As one writer has said, many people will accept Christ's character, but they reject His crucifixion. They want to talk about what a wonderful teacher he was and what a, what a great philosopher he was and all the wonderful things he did, but they don't want to talk about the heart of the matter. Why did he actually come? What was the crowning moment of his entire life and ministry? It was when he went to the cross and then rose from the dead so that he could accomplish the work of salvation. The people of Corinth were blind to Christ crucified and what it meant to them. This message of the cross was foolishness to most of them. In fact, the Greek word that Paul uses here is the word moria, which literally means idiocy. It's the word that we get the word moron from in the English language. That was the attitude of many in Corinth who heard the message of Christ crucified. And so if you get that reaction today from people who know you believe in Jesus Christ, that His death and resurrection are the most important events and things that ever happened in this entire world, then you're in good company because that's what happened in the first century too. It doesn't mean that they're right and you're wrong because the Word of God the Bible says, will stand forever. The idea of a world being saved by Christ crucified was foolishness to those who were proud and boastful and who thought the wisdom of the world was in them. And it's still that way today. How different it is for those of us who in simple faith know Christ crucified. To us, it says, who are being saved, it is the power of of God. What is this power of the cross? What does it do? There's a cross behind me here. Everywhere you see a cross, it is at work. The, the, the message of the cross, when it is proclaimed, when it is lived out, when it is shared, it is at work. One thing it does, it, it reveals guilt. It stands forever as a statement of the world's guilt. That's why a lot of people are offended by the sight of a cross. Because the very fact that there is a cross that Jesus died upon, it is saying to all of us in the world, we are sinners. Why else would he go to the cross? The only reason he went to the cross, the heart of the message of the cross, is that you and I, every human being, we are sinners. We are guilty. And we needed help. And that's why Jesus came, God who became a man, to take our place. And so the cross always declares the sinfulness of mankind in its most terrible display of guilt. The guilt of humanity was there at Calvary. Never more black, never more hideous, never, never worse. The Scripture teaches that the heart of man, men and women, is desperately wicked. We are not innately good and getting better and better. That is just, that is a fantasy. That is a fable. We are sinful at our core. 
And that's why we need the help of God. And that's why so many today reject the message of the cross. Because they don't want to face up to who they really are. They'd rather have, they'd rather believe anything but to look in the mirror and really see who they are. And in the cross, you cannot see anything other than the fact that Jesus died because we are sinners. There are those who believe that if Jesus came back today, he'd receive a different reception. He would be welcomed with open arms because people are so much more progressive. We've, we've, uh, we've progressed past all of that violence and gore of the past. But do you really think that if Jesus appeared today with the same message of the guilt of mankind, do you really think people would receive him any differently than they did then? Human nature has not changed. We are just as sinful now as the people were when Jesus walked the earth. And if you go all the way back to Noah, remember what it says then. Every thought of the imagination was only evil continually. And that's why God decided to destroy the world with a flood. So if you think it's bad now, it's been just as bad or worse in the past. And so, folks... Jesus, the cross of Jesus, reveals the guilt. In the judgment hall of Pilate, what was the cry that rang out? Crucify him. Crucify him. The people who had what? Seen his miracles. They had heard his great teaching, his wonderful words. They had seen how he healed people and relieved humanity. Did that keep them from crying out? Crucify him crucify him no they still cried out for his death and people today who hate the message of the cross they hate Jesus they hate Christians and they're doing everything they can to stop the spread of the gospel because the cross has the power to reveal the guilt of this world the cross also proves the, the truth about sin itself, the wretched truth about that sin. We are guilty because we are sinners. And the truth about that sin, Ezekiel 18.20 says, The soul that sins shall die. And in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is what? Death. That's what the Bible teaches. Hebrews 9.22 tells us, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so, the awful truth of sin is that it is a direct affront against God Himself. It is rebellion against God. It is not us just choosing to do our own thing. It is us shaking our fist in the face of God and saying, No, I will do what I want, not what you want. It is essentially the same spirit of pride and rebellion that we saw with Lucifer, with Satan himself. And we have followed in that same vein as sinners. And that sin against a holy God, perfectly holy. We can't even imagine perfect holiness. We've never been that. We've never lived in a place where that was supreme. 
We have always lived in a fallen and sinful world, and we are sinners ourselves. So that's why our attitude about sin is so, so poor, because we don't understand perfect holiness. But God is perfectly holy, and he cannot abide sin. And therefore, something had to happen to deal with that rebellion and that sin against God. And God knew we could never do it. We were hopeless in our own sin. And so he came to do it for us. He came to do it in our behalf. And that's what was happening when Jesus came and took on flesh. He lived a sinless life and was able to be the perfect Pure, holy sacrifice for our sin. Sin brings death. And Jesus died our death. He took our punishment. Bore our guilt. So that we could be forgiven. And that's what, as we have studied together. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The power of the cross. It says the world is guilty. And it also says that sin has to be dealt with. God can't just look the other way. Because he's holy. People say, well, why couldn't he just, you know, just forget about it. That couldn't be done. And God still be God. Because he's perfectly holy. But he has dealt with the problem of sin in our behalf. The cross also has the power to display the amazing love of God. And so those who say we should talk about God's love, they're absolutely right, but nothing talks about the love of God more powerfully than the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus was willing to endure even the death of the cross. He was willing to, to experience all of what it meant to bear the sin of the world. And the cross stands as the statement forever that God's love is an amazing love and He loves you. He loves each of us individually. He loves all people. But Jesus died for each one of us. We can look at it, the beautiful creation that God has given us. The Bible says that declares the glory of God. But nothing declares the glory and majesty and love of God like the cross of Jesus Christ. John 3.16, of course, for God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son. Gave how? Gave where? On the cross. Sacrificed his own son to pay the penalty and price of our sin, so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The cross displays the amazing love of God, and it shows the way to victory. The cross displays that Jesus has paid the price of our sin, and victory is now possible in your life. Victory over sin. It's really already been done. It's been paid for. It's been provided. But it is not active in your life until Christ lives in you. Until you receive 
what he did in your behalf. In the cross, we see that Satan has been defeated. We were, we've been defeated many times by sin and temptation, haven't we? But Satan has been defeated. Sin has been defeated. Death has been defeated in the cross of Christ. In his death and his resurrection for us. The cross is the instrument by which God has delivered us from the penalty of our sin. And so when you look at the cross, I hope you see all of this. I hope you see victory. When Jesus cried, it is finished. He was saying, it is accomplished. The work of salvation. The price being paid. Buying us back. From sin and death and hell, it has been accomplished. And that's when he bowed his head and breathed his last. When he had finished that work. Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And for the Christian, the cross, we are crucified. The old self, the sinful me, is now dead and gone. And I am now a new person in Jesus Christ, covered by his blood, alive because of his life, the same spirit that rose Caused Jesus to rise from the dead has also given me life and given you life when you receive his love into your very life. And so, in closing, the cross of Christ is not only the basis of peace and hope, it is the means of our salvation. It is the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is possible. He made that possible because he has died in your place and in my place and has gloriously risen from the dead. No wonder Paul said 2,000 years ago, we preach Christ crucified. It is a stumbling block to those who want to be saved through their own merit and their own ability. It is a stumbling block to those who say, no, I don't want a sign of weakness. I want a Messiah who will be a conquering king. That was a stumbling block to the Jews. He was the Messiah, but that wasn't what they were expecting. They didn't expect a cross. But of course, though he died that death, that awful death, and rose victoriously from the dead. He wasn't a, an earthly king, but he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And so uh, we know that in Christ, in Jesus Christ, we don't have to see him as a stumbling block. We just need to receive him and his love and his grace and his mercy. It's all about him. It's not about us. Because my life is now his life. When you give your life to Jesus, life becomes all about him. And so 
It was a stumbling block to the Jews. It was foolishness to the Greeks. There's still a lot of people think like the Greeks. Philosophy. Wisdom. From the world's perspective. Just a little too smart. You know for religion. Just a little too smart for the cross. Well you're going to be just a little too smart. To go to heaven too. Because the only way to get there is through the cross of Jesus Christ. It is the foolishness of God from the world's perspective. What the the world says is foolish, but God says this is truth. It is that truth. Jesus, Him crucified, Him rising again. It is Jesus who can give you life. Life on this earth and life everlasting. The power of of the cross. Would you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for what you have done for us. We can't stop talking about it. That's what that's what Paul was saying to the Corinthians. He didn't care whether people wanted to hear it or not. It's what people must hear. It is the power of God. And so we thank you, Lord, that you have given us your word so that we can continue until you return. We can do our part to continue to proclaim Christ crucified. And so may we do that here in this church. May we do it as the church when we go out the doors of this building, everywhere we go throughout the week. May our lives be all about sharing your love and your grace through the cross with the world who needs you so much. Lord, we pray in this time now of invitation, if there's someone here who needs to receive the message of the cross, they need to believe it. They need to trust in you. May this be the moment, the hour, that they give their life to you and receive what Jesus did for them. There may be other kinds of decisions here that need to be made. We just pray your will be done. And Lord, you lead us now and help us to do now what we'll be glad we did when we stand in your presence one day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.